Hello, everyone. Hello. It's Kawaii Cast. I'm Candace. I'm Tyler. And yeah, let's get into this week's episode. Uh, we did miss last week because we watched the movie that we were going to be talking about in this episode. And normally we record immediately after we watch the movie. But it was a little longer than we anticipated. It was a little longer than we anticipated. So we were tired and then didn't get a second chance to record. So we're a little late this week. Yeah. It's fine. We made it happen. Yep. So before we get into that anime news. Anime news. Okay. Um, What do you got? So since we did miss a week, uh, we got a few things. Uh... One of the big ones was that Anime Expo has announced that they are doing a mini Anime Expo in Ontario, California. Which a lot of people saw Ontario and they were just like, Canada? And then California. Everyone's excited. Canada? No. International Anime Expo? Nope. Yep. So yeah. Can't have that. Um, I really do hope that... What this means is that Anime Expo may be putting a cap on how many tickets they can sell for their main event to try to let the spillover go into their mini event. Mm-hmm. But I doubt that's going to happen. More likely what's going to happen is they're going to have two cons that now oversell tickets. Yep. So. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah. But that's one of the big ones. Um, another... Uh, big thing that I got is they did announce the anime adaptation for Solo Leveling, which is a manga series that I was going to buy until I realized there was other mangas that I needed to buy. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I really, really like the art style for the manga, so I think if they could keep even a fraction of that stylistic art choice in the anime, then it will be something that I'll definitely be checking out when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, from my understanding, from the fan base of this franchise, to me it feels like it's going to be the next Chainsaw Man, where it is going to get you, so you much... S- you say the next Chainsaw Man as if the Chainsaw Man has even been released yet. Yeah, but that's what I mean. I think it's going to build up so much hype... And that everybody's going to be like, oh my god, this series is so good, just you wait till the anime comes out. That it's going to feel overrated before the series even releases. Fair. So, uh, that's my biggest concern about it. But like I said, it has a really, really great art style. And it definitely seems like something that's up my alley. So maybe I'll check out the manga before it comes out next year. Yeah. So. And if you are planning on getting into it before the anime comes out, now's probably the best time to do so. Because mm-hmm. I, I definitely think this is going to be the next Chainsaw Man, where it just gets so overhyped that people have already deemed it overrated before we even get episode one. Yeah. So, and then my final piece of news, one that I'm personally excited about, uh, Sasaki and Miyano have announced a movie which is going to be the graduation arc which I don't know if this is going to be kind of a continuation of the main, like, first season, or if it's going to be building up into season two, or if this is simply going to be a spinoff featuring uh, the one blonde senpai character and his roommate, who definitely has a crush on him. So... Okay. Because that is a, a spinoff series in the mangas, the story, like, focusing on those two, 
And it does seem like the teaser seems to be implying that this is going to focus more on them than it's going to focus on Sasaki and Miyano. Uh, I just kind of hope they don't do what they did with Given, where they just kind of cut all of the focus of the main two characters to focus on two side characters, unless they are officially making this a spinoff. Yeah. I just, if, if it's going to be Sasaki and Miyano, make it Sasaki and Miyano. <laughs> like, don't make it the other boys, you yeah. know? But I'm excited for it either way. I like all the characters in the show, so yeah. So those are my big three pieces of news. I feel like I had another one, but yeah, cool yeah. beans. Cool beans. Uh, so on my end, I also have uh, several things. Um, I don't know if we've mentioned it, but uh, the the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh yeah, I've, that was did, the thing that I was thinking about. Did did pass away? Yeah. Um, sad news. The autopsy did reveal that it was from drowning. Mm-hmm. So that's that's unfortunate. Um, in possibly brighter news, uh, Ken Akamatsu, the the creator of like. Negima and Love Hina mm-hmm. was uh, elected into Japan's House of Counselors. Oh, nice! So he's he's the first manga creator to to become uh, an official politician. Yeah, I've noticed there's a lot of uh, entertainers and all that in politics in Japan. Yeah, seems to be a pretty common crossover. Yep. So, hopefully, uh, that'll go well. I know politics are always a touchy subject, but... Yeah, yeah, particularly here. Yeah, right? So, there's that. There's that. Cool beans. Cool beans. (laughs) Oh, and then, uh, speaking of, you were talking about, uh, the movie we watched... And that's what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other news, uh, it was going to air on TV in Japan mm-hmm. on, I, I don't remember if it was this Friday or if it was supposed to be last Friday, but but the airing got canceled. Oh, okay. So that's, that's unfortunate. That is Anyways, unfortunate. movie we're talking about. Movie we're talking about. So this was one that's been on our list for a while. We missed the chance to see it in theaters when it was out. Um, from my understanding, like, everybody felt like this deserved to be anime film of the year, but it didn't really get a full international release until after the Crunchyroll nominations were decided. Uh, I do hope Crunchyroll does bring back Best Movie of the Year, though, because I think we have a lot of good contenders for Mm -hmm. this year. And we've been enjoying our little movie nights, so hopefully we'll get to see more in theaters this year for you guys. Yeah. But this one, we are way late to the party, even by Blu-ray release standards. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about. It's not like you and I have both bought in the Blu-ray. Yeah. Which is convenient, because that meant we didn't necessarily have to watch it together, but we did watch it together, because it was the first chance either of us had to watch it. And that is Belle. Mm-hmm. So I did mention uh, during our last movie review, which was Bubble, that it was one of two anime films to come out in the last year that 
were anime adaptations of popular fairy tales that had already been uh, done as Disney animated films. So Bubble was uh, obviously based off the Little Mermaid. They're really, really in your face about it. Like, they throw all subtlety to the window. Yeah. And we kind of talked about how we didn't care much for that. How it was just, like, really, like... Obviously, this is the Little Mermaid. Let's talk about the Little Mermaid. We're going to sit down and read the Little Mermaid. And then she's going to talk about how much she loves the Little Mermaid. And and how she really relates to the character of the Little Mermaid. Yeah. I do think if they had toned that back a little bit... We could have gotten the idea that it was based off the Little Mermaid just from the last part of the film where she was trying to make like that self-sacrifice and then you have the story of the Little Mermaid playing in the background. I think would have been a much better way to handle it than the whole like her straight out coming and saying that she was the mermaid and the main guy was the prince. Yeah. But Belle, I think, takes that same idea of being really obvious that it's based off of a fairy tale... But it's way less in your face about it, and it feels more like instead of it just being a fairy tale that already exists in this world, and the characters just really relate to it, it feels more like a modern adaptation of the story. Yeah. Which is better. It almost feels like the fairy tale doesn't actually even exist in this universe, in the show. And I like that a lot better because it just makes the characters more modernized versions of the characters from the fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And when I say modern, this show is very, very modern. <laughs> it is a bit futuristic the same way that Bubble was, but instead of it taking place in a bubbled-off, post-apocalyptic uh, parkour version of Tokyo, it takes place in a very realistic version of Japan that feels like it exists today, But a majority of the story takes place in a virtual world, which also could easily exist today. They don't go into the metaverse. Yeah. (laughs) So, and the metaverse in this series is called, what was it? It was you or? Yeah, something like that. Like literally just the letter U. Welcome to you. Yeah. Here you can design or you can, you're designated your own AS. Yeah. Something, something. Yeah. So the interesting thing about this particular virtual reality is instead of you choosing your own avatar uploading, similar to like uh, in VR chat where you can literally just upload any 3D model that exists on the internet and just be that character or whatever, in this literally nobody chooses their avatar at all. Yeah, like you, you start off with your, you sign up basically and it... I think it goes off of a picture of you or something. So what it, it does... It kind of mentions it, but it also reads, like, your your biometrics, and, and it kind of creates your avatar from that. Yeah, the concept is very, very science fiction, but the idea is that it's supposed to take your inner self and bring it out into a realistic form. So if your inner self, like one character, uh, they see her as kind of being a baby, her avatar is literally a baby. Yeah. So it's stuff like that. The, basically, this AI knows you better than you know you sort of thing. 
And it also enhances some of your already like natural abilities for things. Like uh, if you're somebody that would naturally be really, really, or if you're somebody that could have the potential of being like really, really strong or really good at fighting, your version of you in this world will be really good at fighting and be really strong. Which we kind of get um, towards, toward, kind of toward the beginning. Yeah. When when they're talking about the beast, or they call him the dragon, you know. Yeah, that. And and they they mentioned that like, oh yeah, he's he's fought in multiple martial artists, and he's beaten almost all of them. Yeah, because the person who, uh, like the real world person who plays that character, is internally extremely strong and has been literally fighting for his entire life. Not physically fighting, but dealing with a lot of internal struggles. And because of that, his character is incredibly strong. Yeah. So the main story focuses on a character named Suzu, who, when she was a little girl, her mom decided to save some random child in spite of the fact that she didn't want her mother to go. And the mom ended up drowning, but the child she saved ended up living. Yeah. I think because we never find out anything about that child that she saved, which was kind of surprising, but I'm actually glad that they didn't make the child like an important character because it kind of shows like how little that person her mom saved meant to her. Like it was just some random person in the universe that had no positive or negative influence in her life from that point other than the fact that her mom sacrificed herself for that child. Yeah. And when she saw a lot of the internet comments, like, coming up on the news articles about her mom, it it was a lot of things like people said, well, that's what you get for trying to be a hero, or she was so dumb, or I can't believe she left her child behind like that. It was a lot of negative stuff. A lot of crazy keyboard warriors just throwing in their opinion. And because of this, Suzu ends up pretty messed up, like extremely depressed. Uh, And one of the biggest things is that she basically gets violently ill anytime she tries to sing, which singing is something that she shared with her mom. She shared with her mom. She loved to do. And now all of a sudden that, you know, she's lost this connection with her mom, you know, physically, you know, like you said, trying when she attempts to sing it makes her physically ill yeah and so she learns about this virtual reality you which the way they advertise it makes it sound like you get to create or you get to start over your life in a different world is how they advertise it yeah well she was um she was urged to join by, by one of her friends. You know, one of her friends was like, oh, here, check this out. Yeah. You should join. So she ends up joining that, and she ends up using a group photo that she took with a bunch of girls at her school, or they'd kind of forced her to take it with them. And it looked like the AI kind of picked up some of the features of the very, very popular girl at their school. And then it read Suzu's, like, internal self, and it ended up creating... What is literally described in this movie as the most beautiful looking avatar in the entire world of you. And since Suzu's name in Japanese means Belle, she literally just chose her username to be B-E-L-L. 
but a lot of people said it really should have been B-E-L-L-E, which is the French word for beautiful because her avatar absolutely stands out. Yeah. Like, most of these avatars in this world look kind of like... Which, which is honestly kind of funny, because, like, she picked her name before her avatar was created. Yeah. You know, and these people making this comment should know this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they're like, yeah, she's so beautiful, she should have picked the name, you know, Belle with an E. That way, it's like... Bitch, you know, she didn't know that's how it was going to turn out until, (laughs) like, come on. Yeah. So, as soon as she enters this world, she also discovers she's capable of singing to her full potential. So she ends up just singing in the middle of this, like, virtual world. And at first, she gets the standard internet reaction of, oh my god, I hate people that just are showing off. I hate show-offs. I mm. guess she's attractive, whatever. She's she's okay, I guess. Her sound yeah. is kind of weird. I don't know. Like, that typical, like, internet negativity, but then... And and so, obviously, you know, yeah. <laughs> internet thing, you know, she, she goes on, she does that, she hops off, and then, like you know, goes to sleep, wakes up the next day or whatever. To have found out she went completely viral overnight. Yeah. <laughs> and now she is like the most famous singer in the entire world of you, even competing with somebody who is an actual celebrity in you. Yeah. And because of this, everybody wants to figure out who she is. There's lots of theories that she's like this famous singer or whatever. She becomes the internet's greatest mystery and her best friend who encouraged her to join in the first place basically becomes her agent making sure to keep her entire <laughs> life a secret not, not just not just agent but like uh fashion designer and like tech artist you know everything behind the scenes whether it's directing you know like the light shows for her concert yeah even promoting her and using a lot of like the whole mystery about who the real bell is to kind of their advantage and i think the thing that's really interesting about the design of bell is even though the main character suzu is completely convinced the reason she's beautiful is because the popular girl at school was in that photo it never actually confirms that that's what happened. Yeah. Like, it kind of leaves it up to you as the audience to decide whether or not Suzu was just that beautiful internally, or if it was a glitch because she used a group photo. Because it is a bit of a coincidence that her avatar does look a lot like this popular girl, but at the same time, like... Suzu really is, like, that is a good representation of her as a person. You know? Yeah. And even, like, the popular girl is actually not, like, one of those, like, bitchy, typical, like, mean girl popular girls. So... Yeah, what... this, this isn't your, your typical American high school rom-com bullshit. Yeah. Like, it turns out even the popular girl is one of her fans. There is kind of a bitchy character, and that is the uh, one idol girl that she surpassed in the world of you. Yeah, the one idol where... Uh, Bell first went viral, and and the the idol's like, well, she's okay, I guess. She's just a show off. She's just a show off, yeah. and she's like, she's not as good as me, clearly, and like, yeah. Yeah, and then later she realizes that when you're hiding behind avatars and all of that, and you're in this virtual world, you kind of just talk shit because you can. This movie has a lot to say about kind of the cattiness of the internet as a whole. 
yeah, it, it, it does bring to kind of the forefront the, the anonymity of the internet. You yeah. know, you can kind of just go on and like, well, who's, who's going to know who you are? Yeah. And this comes forth most prominently in the form of the Beast when he interrupts one of Belle's concerts and Belle takes a genuine interest in him because she sees something good in him where the entire world of you only wants to reveal his identity to out him for all of the crimes he's committed against the internet, basically. Yeah. And I won't really spoil too much about the Beast's actual identity because it really is the strongest point of this story, but it really does shed a lot of light on how easily people are willing to talk shit when they don't know who's behind the other side of the keyboard. And I really, really liked that element of this. It is a bit exaggerated. Like, genuinely, if there were articles out there on the internet of a woman dying in a river while trying to save a child, the top comments would not be things like, oh, I can't believe she did something so stupid. She left her child behind. Oh my god. Like an idiot. What kind of person drowns these days? Oh my god. What a diva. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, nobody would be saying shit like that. People would be saying things like, my heart goes out to the family, uh, I hope, you know, her daughter will be okay, you know, what a brave woman, I'm, I hope the family of the child is, you know, grateful for what happened. They would be saying things like that, you know, like, yeah. even if they genuinely did feel like the woman was stupid for dying for somebody else's kid, nobody would type that on social media unless they are the biggest asshole in the world <laughs> for reals <laughs> like i haven't even seen that kind of shit going out on twitter so this movie is extremely exagger- or exaggerated on how cruel the internet is but at the same time it does really sell the point of what it was like in the original fairy tale for Beauty and the Beast for the Beast himself to constantly be judged before anybody knew him, particularly because the Beast wasn't even his true form. In the Disney version, we get the story that the Beast, his form was chosen to, so his insides matches outsides, which is similar to how the AI creates the avatars in this movie. But in the original fairy tale, the beast was cursed when he was a literal child who was being abused. And judging a child for being a brat is a bit harsh for an adult to do. Well, you know, also, he lives in in a fucking castle, okay? He's a very affluent child. You know, (laughs) nobody expects you know, great things out of affluent children. I mean, just fucking look at Justin Bieber, okay? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, let's be real here. Yeah. Which, one of the original messages of the original fairy tale for Beauty and the Beast was the idea that uh, if you, like, basically punish your child for their bad behaviors when they're young, they'll grow up to be better adults. Like, don't let them grow up to be a beast and a selfish child, because then, as an adult, they're going to be a beast. But, yeah, if they learn those lessons when they're young, then when they're an adult, they'll be better people. And that was kind of the original message of the fairy tale. Uh, The Disney version said, if you're ugly on the inside, you'll be ugly on the outside. And if you're pretty on the inside, you'll be pretty on the outside. And hopefully a pretty person will make an ugly person pretty. Yeah, it's not usually how it works. Yeah. 
but whatever. Yeah. So. Go Disney. Yeah. So this version of Beauty and the Beast, I think the whole idea of the internet basically judging you for what they see on the internet is a much better representation of the original story. Not knowing who you really are, not caring about who you really are, they just see you for what you are in this virtual reality and they have already judged you for that. And that's a very real thing that happens. Okay, but like, we, we've, we've mentioned this that like, oh yeah, it's, it's you know, like, kind of shows, you know, your, your true self, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and you even mentioned this while we were watching the movie. You know, everyone's like, oh my god, the beast is so ugly. Oh my god, the dragon's terrible, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I have two things to say about that. One, like you said, he was far from the ugliest avatar right. on the, in, in that world, you know. He <laughs> was actually a really cool design. <laughs> yeah. And two, I've been around the internet and monster fuckers long enough. <laughs> To know that that wouldn't be the, like the the main comment here, okay? Let's let's be real. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I think the main message of the story is the idea that when you put yourself out there on the internet, people are only going to judge you for what they see in this virtual world, and they're not really going to care what kind of person you are in reality. And being part of the cosplay community, we can say with full assurance that this is a very real thing. Yeah, if you look at a lot of cosplayers like uh, Jessica Nigiri or Yaya Han or really anybody that has any kind of major following in this community, and then you look at the type of people who talk about them or have things to say about them, most of the time the comments are going to be things that they've only really made public or things that other people have said about them on the internet. Like, uh, Jessica Neary's ex-boyfriends, a lot of people tend to source them as a lot of things, like, information about her as a person. But really, the reality is that nobody really knows them on the internet. And if you ever talk to people that know these cosplayers in real life and hang out with them outside of conventions or outside of, like, Twitter or Facebook or Instagram... You find out that a lot of what you see on the internet and a lot of what you see in person is very, very different. But a lot of people are refusing to listen to, like, they're like, oh, well, they're their friends, of course they're going to say good things about them. I'm like, okay, they're their friends, because they clearly think they're a good person. <laughs> like, they're not going to defend an asshole just because they hung out once, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, like... The cosplay community particularly tends to be a really toxic. I, I don't know. They're judging a book by its cover group. I don't know. They're they're popular. You know, they're they're friends with the the popular girl, like in Mean Girls. You know, you just <laughs> <laughs> you know she's a bitch, but hey, you know she's popular. Yeah, but I mean, like no, I I kid, of course. <laughs> but I mean, like let's take uh, Sea Dog VA who. Uh, and Joey, the anime man, who both have hung out with Jessica Nagiri a lot in real life. And whenever they talk about her, they're just like, yeah, she's super chill. She's super great. Love hanging out with her. She's like, she's one of those, like, dude bro girls. And then you, like, see people on the internet talk about her. They're like, oh, she all she cares about is showing off her tits and her ass. And she's just a slut. And all of her exes talk about how she's a horrible person and whatever. And it's like... You could definitely tell the difference between people who only know her from the internet versus people who've actually spent time with her. Okay, but like, 
can you really trust the word of someone's ex? Like, right? <laughs> do you really say nice things about your ex? Right. Yeah, come on, let's be real here. Like, I, I don't want to make this I'm, just. I'm not. I'm not saying like it's like. Everyone talks shit on their ex because, you know, hey, some people do still have amicable relationships with their ex. Yeah. But more often than not, you know, you broke up for a reason, you got mad, you kind of, you know, you're pissed at the other person, so you say shit about them. Yeah. And I don't want to make this just about her. It's just she's a really easy to talk, a person to talk about in this community because she has such a great following and because she probably gets the most praise and the most hate probably equally split 50-50 among the internet. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I don't personally know her. I can't tell you if she really is a bad person or if she really is just like one of those dude bro chicks. But honestly, the few times I've seen her just being her, she does feel more like a dude bro than like a bitch. Yeah. But again, I don't I don't know her personally and one of the things that's like really prominent in this movie is the fact that everybody just kind of immediately judges and nobody in the world of you is really hung out with each other outside of the world of you. That's because the world of you is the it place to be. Yeah. And so well it's Who who wants who wants to hang out in the real world? <laughs> UV rays? No. <laughs> Graphics are terrible. Touch grass. Grass, fuck off. <laughs> so yeah, like, the complete irony of the fact that this series is absolutely about the fact that the avatars take on your inner self while simultaneously the entire, you know, virtual world immediately judging you by your avatar is a bit ironic, but also kind of a really good metaphor for the internet in general. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you make a page over, you know, about things that you're interested in, whether you want to be a singer or an artist or a cosplayer, or you're super into Dungeons & Dragons, or if you want to be a mu movie reviewer, or if you make anime podcasts, then that content you're putting out about yourself onto the internet is the thing everybody's going to know you for, and every time you reveal any little thing about yourself, the internet feels like they have every right to possess that information and use it against you. Uh, kind of going a little bit more into internet celebrities, uh, look at Giguk when he revealed on the podcast that he was a monk prior to being an anime reviewer. And like his fan base literally went and dug up his mom's Facebook just so they could see photos of him when he was a monk. Okay. And then they, like, outed that completely out to the internet, which was not an okay thing it's, to it's, do. It's not okay, but honestly, I'm curious as to the as to the progression there. How do you go from monk to anime podcast reviewer? Did, did you... <laughs> were you up late in the monastery one night and you caught a glimpse of whatever anime, like, Toonami was on? Well, from my understanding, he watched anime when he was, like, a teenager. Kind of similar to what we did. Uh, him being a monk was really more of a personal spiritual journey for himself that had nothing to do with his personal interests and believe it or not it is possible for you to be you know have those two parts of you be completely separate things instead of just one big entity and again that's the problem with us basically being avatars on the internet 
is that a lot of people want to believe you are that two-dimensional version that they see of you online. So I think a lot of people had that same thought process as how does this guy who talks about anime tits for a living, how was he once a monk? <laughs> Fair. But it, it is absolutely possible for somebody to be a real fleshed out human being who has different parts of his life that he wants to go through different journeys of. And I think it's really weird that the internet tries to put everybody that they know into a box. And I think we're all guilty of doing that to a certain extent. And it just becomes really prominently noticeable when it comes to people who have massive followings. And sometimes when people, when you learn that those people do exist outside of that box, it becomes really scary. Look no further than any of the people that have come out in the gaming community since 2019. There was a lot of famous names from the gaming community that suddenly turned out to be horrible people. I won't name any in particular because I don't want to get into that drama, but... <laughs> uh, yeah. But that's kind of the terrifying reality of your identity being revealed on the internet for you being exposed for your true self. And that becomes the biggest, like, enemy premise in this story is that there is apparently a, I guess, gun is the best way to describe it's, it. It's, it's like uh, a light gun. Yeah, it's, um, so the guy who has it... It's on him, it's like normally like a bracelet. It just looks like an accessory or whatever. Yeah. But then it goes through its like... Like, uh... Transformation phase where it becomes this big, like... Looks like a light cannon, basically. Yeah. You know, and it just shoots like a green light out of its gem. Mm -hmm. And it has the power to reveal what people actually look like yeah it it basically undoes the code that is done to find your inner self and then it exposes your outer self basically so your avatar transforms into what you actually look like in the real world yeah and so it's their way of literally outing you on the internet i know there's a term for that but i literally can't remember the term yeah where somebody exposes who you really are on the internet but uh, I mean, they they called it something else in the movie, but it's basically the equivalent of getting doxxed. Doxxed, that's the term. Yeah, so this guy's only goal in the movie is to dox the beast and reveal who he actually is. Which, yeah, um, it's kind of funny, though, because, like, he's, like, the only one that has it. Yeah. You know, and there's all these other people, you know, that... Like, are his justice squad is what I'm gonna call them. Yeah, you know, and he he mentions something about like, oh, do you know why I'm the only one that has this thing and blah blah blah. But it never really talks about like he never mentions why. Like yeah, the, like that's it. He's like, oh yeah, you want to know why I have this, and then it doesn't say anything, which kind of irked me. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I think it did a really good job of selling him as that internet asshole. Yeah, where it even mentions that he has like a ton of sponsors. So, because, like, he's just so well-known in the U that everybody's just kind of like, he's the 
epitome of justice. He literally is the Gaston of this, except the only difference is that he doesn't want to get with Belle. He's not particularly interested in her the way that Gaston is. He's just very anti-beast. Well, it's it's also the same thing with like with Belle and beasts. You know, <laughs> she's she's not necessarily in love with him, and he's not in love with her. You know, like like the fairy tale. Yeah. But they are tied together. Yeah, there is there is a bit of a soul connection between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah, she does write him a love song, and. There's actually this really funny part where, like, the uh, older women of the choir kind of figure out that Suzu does seem to be interested in somebody, and they're trying to give her advice on how to, uh, like, win him over or whatever, and they do suggest the love <laughs> yeah, song. Yeah, the, the one girl is like, oh, yeah, I went to America when I was in high school. She went school, to Ohio. And I went to Ohio, and... Oh, I just fell in love with the sweetest boy, and he just didn't notice me, and blah, blah, blah. So I decided to write him a love song, and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, he was 12. Yeah, which was... <laughs> which was kind of hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of funny thing about that, again, I'm not going to spoil too much, but it was a bit of a weird foreshadowing as well. Yeah. So, oh, boy. Yeah, so... I, I loved the choir ladies. They were some of the best characters in the show. But, yeah, I I loved the idea that the main villain was just that asshole who doesn't want to let people just enjoy the internet the way they want to enjoy it. Which, yeah, it's so funny because, like, he does he does have that, like, over-inflated, you know, he calls it a sense of justice or whatever, you know. And and he's, he's like, oh, yeah, before me, you know the you was lawless and chaotic and blah 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 and it's like well maybe that would have been better i can't believe the main villain of this is the uh twitch uh admins <laughs> right <laughs> uh but no seriously like uh the whole that dude i was 100 percent expecting his identity to be revealed yeah and have it be a certain someone related to the dragon yeah <laughs> i was like please tell me it's gonna be him yeah <laughs> i i can't believe that the biggest weapon of this series was the ban hammer <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i like that there really are no genuine like admins in the world of you like whoever created this reality just kind of let it run wild and they're just like yeah i'm sure some like pig-headed user is gonna just become the cop of this entire thing we'll just let We'll let the system take care of itself, which is very similar to what happened with Gaia Online. <laughs> right. Gaia Online is so famous for running wild with its economy that it is now legitimately in, I think it was Stanford <laughs> it is, it's like, textbooks. It, it's like the poster child for like... Hey, How not hey, to run an hey, economy. Hey, don't run an economy like this. Yeah, I think it, like I said, I think it's actually mentioned in Stanford economics textbooks on the best example of how to not run an economy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the the whole world of you definitely had a Gaia Online vibe for me. <laughs> what what is their like currency on on you? Like? Right? That was one of my big questions. I'm like, are there microtransactions here? Like, there's no way you're getting into a Bell concert for free. Exactly. Like 
Uh, what did they say? Like, sure, the one big concert that she was gonna have that got interrupted was, was what, like, five million viewers? Yeah. Or something? Also, I like that one of the uh, solutions to keeping Belle's identity anonymous is that all of the money she made for being a performer would just automatically go to charity. Yeah. And I'm like, but they would still need some kind of receipt for that. There's no such thing as a completely traceless trail when it comes to money. Yeah. You can't just be like, this charity automatically receives all my paychecks. That money needs to go to somebody's name first. Even if you're donating anonymously, there is some sort of trail. So that was probably one of the less realistic things. But since this is a fantasy like sci-fi movie based off Beauty and the Beast, I will let it slide. Because particularly, I don't know a whole lot about how digital transactions like that would work in the first place. I just feel like that's a little unbelievable. It, it would be... have to be traced somehow. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's probably a way to make it so it's not traced back to you. But, like you said, I'm not in exactly, you know, savvy on internet transactions. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the creator of PayPal. Yeah. <laughs> believe it or not. I don't believe it. You're actually the beast. <laughs> <laughs> you fool. And the beast also invented PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I genuinely love this movie. Any complaints that we've made have genuinely been very minor ones. Well, like... they've, they've been mild, but I also feel like they've kind of been in jest, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, like there's, there's, yeah, there are minor problems, but you know who cares? They're, they're so minor. I think. That yeah. It doesn't affect anything. I also think this movie is genuine. We watched it with the dub. I have seen clips of it from the sub, but I've also listened to the music in its original Japanese version. Uh, genuinely, the dub for this was really good. Particularly the way they handled the music. Yeah, okay. That is one criticism I will give it. Mm -hmm. With the dub, it didn't look like the the lip-syncing matched up. Like Particularly with the songs, I think that's the case. Especially think, with the songs, yes. I think the normal talking, it was fine. But I think a lot of the dialogue, particularly from Suzu, was kind of things like, uh, um... Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, she's a very awkward girl. Yeah. So, uh, she's, she's a meek, very socially awkward girl. So a lot of her dialogue is very quiet and very monotone and very, like, under her breath, kind of hush-hush, until she's Belle. By that point, she is literally a virtual avatar, so I'm not too bothered by the mouth flaps, I guess, in that particular case, because... It does kind of feel a bit more virtual reality when the mouth flaps aren't perfect. Fair. So, I don't know how much better those sync up in the Japanese, but I'm, I'm not going to be too nitpicky about those. Yeah. I think the acting was really good, particularly with having to balance the extremely confident people in the world of you compared to the much less confident people in reality. So, I do feel like some of the extras' voices were a little bit weak, in my opinion, particularly in the opening scene when showing the popular girl, and the two girls are, like, 
all gushing over they're like oh my god she could be a model and leon like <laughs> that was probably like the one weakest scene voice acting wise but i really liked the actual acting in that scene particularly from the friend who was just like oh my god that she's so the opposite of you like <laughs> i also find it hilarious that like basically everyone is on you mm -hmm. like we talked about the girl you know suzu in in the choir club or whatever mm -hmm. with like the what is it five or six older women yeah and it's like in reality do you really expect like you know 50 to 60 year old women you know hopping on the metaverse yeah <laughs> you never know <laughs> I, I mean it's possible but like all all of them you know it's it just seemed funny to me <laughs> uh particularly i'm not gonna lie my favorite subplot of this entire like movie was normally i don't care for like romantic subplots but i really liked the uh subplot with the like popular girl ruka and the fact that everybody assumes that she's into the popular boy shinobu who is uh literally suzu's childhood friend and the obvious, like, love interest for Suzu is going to be Shinobu. But I loved this, like, whole love triangle subplot. and be Between the popular girl, Ruka, you know, everyone assuming she's gonna, you know, get together with the popular boy, Shinobu. Yeah. And then turns out she has a crush on the awkward kayaking kid. Yeah. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? That came out of left field. I particularly <laughs> loved any time that uh, Suzu and her friend had to kind of put out any of the fires, like, when it came to, like, rumors being spread about them or anything involving, like, gr just girls, like, talking shit about each other around, like, the school group chat. Like, that to me was, like, such fun little subplots and also really sold the idea of why nobody would think that Suzu would be Belle. Like, how those two personalities are so completely different, even on a virtual level, that nobody would have ever suspected it. Yeah. And how a lot of people thought that Ruka was Belle, because one, again, the Avatar looks a lot like her, and two, Ruka just kind of comes across as that girl that's literally good at everything. I loved uh, Suzu's friend basically bragging about that just being like ha 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 look at these idiots guessing that ruka's you know or, yeah. <laughs> or some other person is bell huh they'll never guess it's you yeah her friend's kind of a bitch <laughs> her friend is kind of a bitch uh the most awkward scene i'm not gonna lie uh was finding out who her friend's crush was that it's their extremely elderly teacher Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> that, that was a bit creepy. A little awkward. I guess, like, the whole point of that was to show that, like, literally everybody hides something. And that's kind of one of the beauties of the internet is that you can kind of find communities where you can be honest and be yourself without feeling like you're outing yourself to the world. But that's also why this, like light gun thing that doxes you is the most terrifying thing because if you do put yourself out there on the internet you do put yourself out there to the world and it's not something that you would normally share with people 
it is terrifying at the idea that somebody could reveal that on yeah. your behalf. And particularly, that is both what Belle and the Beast represent, is that they both have reasons to hide who they really are on the internet. And it it's going to be a very, very brave thing for you to ever reveal who you truly are to the people that you care about. And I think everybody experiences that to a certain extent. We all wear masks. Yeah. Whether or not... Actually, uh... <laughs> yeah. But whether, you know, you... I think to a certain extent, whether it's something like who you have a crush on, or if you're a cosplayer that's not ready to tell your family that you like to cosplay, or if you only really like showing off your drawings or your artwork or your music online, where people on, you know, in music communities or art communities or crafting communities will praise you, but you don't really want to show those kind of things off to the people at your school or your family members or even your friends in real life, then there is something really, really great about the escapism of the internet. And I think ultimately that's what you represent. And this movie does such a good job of representing that and also showing the duality between Suzu as a person versus Suzu as the avatar. Yeah. And yeah, I just think that this movie, and also did so in a way that didn't make it into a horror movie because we've talked similar about the uh, anonymity of the internet in the past with things like um, Perfect Blue and other, you know, anime movies like that. But it always kind of turns into a horror situation in those, like, what if you're being stalked? What if somebody's pretending to be you on the internet or things like that? Or even the case where people do dig up information about you or try to out you or dox you or whatever. It always turns into, like, this terrifying horror story. But it's rare to turn it more into this lighthearted, feel-good, almost found family or learning to overcome your own personal struggles story. And I love that Belle does that. And I actually probably even like this better as an adaptation than the Disney Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Um, not surprising that it got the uh, that standing ovation mm-hmm. at the, what was it, the, the French Film Festival? Yeah. A while back when it had just come out? Yeah. Like, it, not surprising. Amazing film. Yeah. And mind you, uh, Beauty and the Beast, the Disney version, also got a standing ovation at the film festival where it debuted, and that was as an unfinished film when that debuted. So I think this movie carrying on that legacy of this exact same story but as a different adaptation is very, very fitting. I'm not going to sit here and be like, man, I hate Disney movies, because honestly, Beauty and the Beast was probably my favorite as a child. I I will admit, I love Disney movies, okay? Yeah. Like, I don't give a shit. But I think genuinely as a good message and a good adaptation, like a personal take on this fairy tale, I think I do prefer Belle. I think that I just love what it has to say. And I also love that it ultimately doesn't come down to shallow things like being pretty or, you know, even like true love will save you from your ugliness or anything like that. It really is just about learning to accept yourself and learning how to find people who will love you both at your best and at your worst. Yeah. 
And I think ultimately that's what the original well, fairy tale was about. Well, that's good, because I have a lot of worst. <laughs> I think it also was something that came to me at the right time in my life, where I do feel like I I found people that will love me just as much in my worst as I, they do when I'm at my best. Yeah. So, yeah. Go watch Belle if you really, really... If you really... have not seen it, like, it is a fantastic movie. Yeah. I did get the limited Steelbook edition, which still is showing up at Target. Like, I know my the store that I work at particularly still has some copies left. I am a basic bitch and only got the Blu-ray Yeah, version. which, honestly, with this one, you can't go wrong with either, because I love, I love me some Steelbook cases. Uh, this one, I actually think I genuinely like the cover for the original better. I wish they would have kept the actual cover for it, but just made it Steelbook. Instead of going with the alternate cover. Yeah. But I I love me some steelbooks because I'm a bit extra. But yeah, I think art style wise and animation wise, this movie's also fantastic. And music. So we didn't really music. get into. Oh my god. The music in this movie is so good. Mm-hmm. Like, genuinely, Belle would have gone viral. If she were, like, an actual, like, yeah, Instagram like, singer or <laughs> TikToker or anything like that. Okay, like, but, like, that, that, um, that, like, really big song that she sings, like, where she's riding on the whale, mm-hmm. like, towards the beat. The very beginning. Oh, my God. I love that song. Uh, that one's actually, oh my I God. have, I have both the English and the Japanese version on my Spotify so playlist. So good. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so this... Absolutely go watch Belle. I think all of the songs are really good, but yeah, that, that first one on the well, I, I have both versions of that on my Spotify playlist. I was actually listening to those before I saw the movie because it popped up in my recommendations, and I'm like, sure, I'll listen to it. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely 10 out of 10 film. I I can't wait to see what can compete with it this year, because I really do hope Crunchyroll brings back the film best, category. Best film, yeah. Yeah, because... Like I said, I'm hoping that we can catch some films this year. There's a few that I'm definitely excited to see. More so, movies. More movies, because we love our movie nights. Right. Particularly because oh, the anime season's it's still a bit slow. Not impressed. Yeah, Anyways. <laughs> we'll be talking about that in a couple weeks. Uh, thanks for listening, to Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.